0: What is going on, you guys? My name is Justin, but you can call me Jay swag and welcome back to a brand new episode of Sports Swag. Appreciate you stopping by, giving a listen, and hanging out with us here tonight. Um, We are here to talk some some NBA, obviously, as we always do. Um, More importantly, we're talking about the playoffs, and we're talking about all of the end of... Regular season, end of season awards. Um, you know, so MVP, Coach of the Year, uh, Most Improved, all that good stuff. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be breaking down the finalists for every award and then who I would vote for if I was a, a media member. Um, yeah, so it should be fun. Um, <clears throat> and let's just go ahead and get right into it. Uh, as you can see, I am wearing my Knicks jersey. They are currently playing the Hawks right now in Game 2 of their first-round series, so hopefully they can pull out the win tonight. Um, just barely lost on a buzzer beater in Game 1. Uh, the Suns lost last night in a, in a another good game with the Lakers. Chris Paul didn't play as much dealing with that shoulder injury, but um, anyways, <clears throat> let's... Um Let's start real quick by talking about the playoffs, and then we'll, we'll transition into the awards um, as kind of like the, the main course here for the episode. So, I really just wanted to touch on some, some of the stellar playoff debuts that we saw um, over the weekend. Um, because, basically, I think it was f- Friday night. Friday, I believe, is when the first playoff games were held. Um, and then we've had playoff games every, every day ever since um, and with the playoffs we've had a couple of people a couple of players who have made their um, playoff debuts so <clears throat> I just wanted to go over a couple of those, talk about them and kind of just the impacts that they're having So, so starting us off talking about the Hawks and Knicks. Uh Trey Young played his first playoff game. Um and he finished with thirty-two points, ten assists, seven rebounds, and um and the win. Um he had the game winner, um, as we mentioned, um over the Knicks. It was a great game. I mean thirty two double double, um, a couple of rebounds away from triple double. Um, he had a a great game, again, had that game winner for, for the Hawks, uh, and uh silenced MSG. Um and you know, the fact that it was also an away game for them, he just fit right in. Uh this was, a lot of these guys um who were making their debuts did not really seem to have playoff jitters. Uh they just seemed really comfortable and like they knew what they were doing um so it was Trey Young and then for the, the Grizzlies had a couple um Dylan Brooks making his debut he had 31 7 and 2 John Morant had 26 4 and 4 um and they also got the win uh in Utah so another road win uh and that's an 8 seed over the 1 seed so that was huge um the the Jazz just did not shoot well and their defense just didn't show up um so yeah sorry excuse me um i watched it making a lot of noises anyways so the grizzlies looked great there again those two young guys their young stars looked good um you know, not i um, not everyone played spectacular um in their kind of first games. Um, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't play super well um <clears throat> for the Grizzlies, but they were they were led by uh Dylan and, and Jaw in some great games. Uh and then on the Suns, they had a couple of playoff debuts as well. So obviously Devin Booker. Um, and he had an excellent game, 34-8-7, and seven, and uh, and the win over the Lakers. And granted, that was a two-seed beating a seven-seed at home, but most people were calling Lakers in five in this series. Um, so I think at this point, the Suns, I mean, even with the Vegas odds, the Suns are the underdogs. Uh, they kind of drew the short straw of having to, to play LeBron and the Lakers in the first round. Um, <clears throat> but they gave it to him in the first game and walked away with it obviously like I mentioned they lost last night in game 2. Um Anthony Davis really bounced back in that um but in game 1 Devin Booker had a great great uh debut and same with Deandre Ayton who someone who people were uh I think more nervous about him having kind of jitters and maybe uh not doing well under the spotlight um in his playoff debut especially just because he He's definitely improved a lot this year, especially playing along Chris Paul, but definitely has had his fair share of ups and downs throughout the season. Um, But he finished with 21-16 and shot 91% from the field. I think he only missed one shot. I think he was 10 for 11, if I remember correctly, from the field. So he had an excellent game. He had another great game last night as well, um, but really just kind of outplayed Anthony Davis in in, uh, game one in his playoff debut. So... Bunch of young guys um, getting their playoff debuts here and really just fit right in uh, and did great under the spotlight um, and all of those guys getting their teams wins uh, in some pivotal game ones. So <clears throat> I, I will say as well, um, just before we move on here, I think so far the playoffs have been excellent. Uh, I think all the playing games were really good um, and all these first two games we've gotten so far, um, we're getting the last of the game twos tonight um, have been really good. Um, I mean, the Mavericks are taking it to the Clippers. They're up 2-0. They won both games in L.A. Um, as the, the uh, are they the five seed or the six seed? They're the six seed playing the three seed, right? No, that's the, yeah, yeah, they're the six seed. Um <clears throat> So they're they're really giving it to the, the to the Clippers, and uh, I love seeing it. Um, it's great. Um, the I mean, Eastern Conference not as much. I mean, the Nets have kind of blown out the Celtics in the first two games of their series. Bucks have kind of blown out, especially in Game Two, the Heat and their first two games of the series. Um, Philly's playing Washington right now, but they kind of wrapped up game one, even with Joel in foul trouble for a majority of the game. Um, But regardless, uh, like I said, it's been a fun playoffs, and I think it's going to continue to be that way. I think just this season in general, granted, part of the reason it has been so unpredictable is because there's, you know, been a lot of players out, players have missed time. So, There's new teams in the playoffs. Um, Other teams missing the playoffs are being lower-seeded because of injuries or health restrictions. Um, So, you know, you you hate for that to be the reason. But at the end of the day, it's providing for uh, some different opportunities uh, and and matchups in the playoffs, which have been really exciting. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the playoffs. But with that being said, let us move on now here to all of the um, awards that we've been talking about. Um, So we'll start with, we'll just start with the main event. We're just going to start right with most valuable player. Um, That's the one that is obviously the biggest draw here. So the top three. um, So basically the NBA uh, uh, announced the, the finalists for all of these awards. Um, I mean, it's it's media um, and journalists who vote on all of these awards, and so they can uh, they can vote for whoever they want. Um, but this is basically the 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 NBA kind of comes out with like the top three um, for for each award. So it's typically I don't know if it's ever not been one of those three, but um, these are who majority of the votes are going to be going to. So, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll kind of tell you who the top three is. I'll go player by player with their season. Um, how that finished up with the regular season, uh, I'll go through some advanced stats and then who my vote would be for if I were kind of, um, you know, like a media member. Um, and I will say something to, to remember here with these, uh, awards is that they are regular season only. So, you know, even if we're if we're talking about prevention, a potential, you know, like Steph is in the top three, but his team didn't even make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, it's about the regular season. Or like, for instance, like Embiid. If if the 76ers were to somehow get swept by the Wizards um, and, you know, they lose each game by 50 points, that doesn't affect this at all. It's just the regular season. Um, so, yeah. So starting off with the MVP, the top three is Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid and Steph Curry. <clears throat> so we'll start off with Nikola Jokic here, um, and I will say for these statistics, I, I just I like to round up, so it's just nice even numbers. So all these numbers are inflated a little bit um, if it's over, you know, I round up or down. So Jokic finished with 26 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists uh, per game on. Shooting splits of 57, 39, 87. So the splits, again, if, you, if you're if you not aware of this, it goes field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and then free-throw percentage. So he shot 57% from the floor, 39% from three, and 87% from free-throw. Um, he had a 60% effective field goal percentage. Um which basically that takes um, three point and free throw percentage into consideration with the field goal percentage. And then basically kind of molds them all together. Um, So it's more of a round encompassing number. So 60% effective field goal percentage. Um, He had a 31.3 PER and with PER that's player efficiency rating. Um, It's basically just a statistic that the NBA devised, Um, to measure the efficiency of a player with the average rating being 15. So Jokic's was 31.3. I believe that was the highest of any player this season. Um, He accounted for 15.6 win shares, which if you're not aware, um, win shares is basically they they look at how many games – did this player contribute to the win where if they hadn't played the game, they would have, their team would have lost. So essentially, so Jokic, uh, accounted for 15.6 win shares this season. And so they, they won 47 games. And so they're saying that 15.6 of those games or 33%, though they would have lost if Jokic hadn't played. So, Um, and he also ended up playing all 72 games this season. Um, so that's something to also consider, um, consistency and health and, uh, stability and stamina, durability, all that stuff is something to consider as well. Um, along with these statistics. Um, all right, moving on to Joel Embiid. For the season, he averaged 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 3 assists on shooting splits of 51-38-86. And he had a 55% effective field goal percentage, a 30.3 PER. Um, He counted for 8.8 win shares this season. Uh, The team had 49 wins, so that's 18%. Um, And he played 51 out of 72 games. And then finally, rounding out the top three is Steph Curry, who for the season averaged 32 points, um, and he won the scoring title, so that was league leading. 32 points, six rebounds, six assists on shooting splits of 48, 42, 92, uh, a 61% effective field goal percentage, um, 26.3 PER. He accounted for nine win shares this season, and they had 39 wins, so that's uh, 23% of the wins. And he played 63 out of 72 games. So all that into consideration and all that being said, my vote personally would be for Jokic to win MVP here. Um, I've talked about this a little bit throughout the season, where the the MVP race has been fairly... um, all over the board, uh, all season. I think it was basically for the first half of the season, it was Joel Embiid front runner for MVP. He was killing it. Um, you know, averaging 29 and 11. Um, the 76ers wrapped up with the number one seed in the East. So all that was good, but then he went down with an injury and ended up missing 21 games, which is kind of a lot. Um, and so then he kind of dropped in the rankings and then it was LeBron James for a while actually um he had uh kind of the lead so to speak for MVP for a little while there and it was his award to lose but then he went down with injuries very soon after that um and he ended up missing almost 30 games i think uh so then he was pretty much eliminated from contention uh and then towards the end of the season um i mean really for the back half of the season it was Jokic and it was his kind of um his race to lose um towards the end of the season Steph kind of went on a hot streak had a bunch of 40 and 50 point games um brought the warriors all the way up to the 8 seed but then they ended up losing both the play games um but he also you know he missed 9 games but it was also just one of those things where typically in the MVP race you're only going to finish so high kind of in the rankings uh when your team isn't winning as much. So, you know, so for instance, Jokic, the Nuggets finished as the fourth seed in the West with 47 wins. Embiid, the 76ers finished with the number one seed in the East and 49 wins. And Steph, the Warriors finished the eighth seed with only 39 wins. Um, And they ended up losing both their play-in games. So, <clears throat> really... Jokic had the uh, the best season statistically of all three of them, and no one else really comes close to them. Um, you know, this is one of those award this is one of those races where it's real it really was just between these three guys. Um you could definitely make a case for Giannis. Uh he had very similar seasons. He had a very similar season this year, uh, comparative to the past two years where he won MVP. Um But his defensive numbers were down a little bit. Uh, All of his numbers were just kind of down a little bit. And the Bucs ended up finishing third in the East, uh, whereas they finished first the prior two years, I believe. Um, And it just really came down to... uh, You also have to consider with MVP, a lot of times the media and the fans just kind of end up being done with a player and they're just kind of over them. Uh, we saw that with Harden, you know, he won MVP. And then pretty much after he won his one MVP, people just over it. And they're like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, you score a lot of points. We're done with it. Um, Giannis, he won his back-to-back MVPs. He won defensive player of the year last year. Uh, and then coming into this season, it was just like, all right, you got your awards. You got the back to the back. You got the MVP and defensive player of the year. First time since Elijah won in the nineties. We're done with you. Like we're bored. I mean, we saw that with LeBron. He won four. He's won four MVPs in his career. You could make a case that he should be winning MVP, like, every single year. Um, And he hasn't finished top three in in years, but he's still averaging, you know, 25, 8, and 8 every single season, uh, year in and year out. Um, All that being said, out of the three of these guys, I think Jokic had the best season, not only statistically, but just as a player overall. Um, not only when you look at the numbers, I mean, he had the lowest scoring average of them, um, but he had the highest uh, assist numbers, the highest rebound numbers, the highest field goal percentage numbers. Um, he had a higher three point percentage than Embiid uh, and a higher free throw percentage than him. Um, he had the highest p e r of all of them, the highest win shares of all of them, and he played the most games. He didn't miss a single game. I think that's really the key here for him in the mvp race and why I think he kind of locked it up. Um and it's kind of I don't want to say a no-brainer, but you know, at this point I think if Embiid had played all 72 games, I think maybe he would be looking at mvp and the front runner for it. Um but he missed 21 games, Steph, the Warriors only ended up pulling out 39 wins. Um, So at the end of the day, I think Jokic is the front runner here and he would have my vote. Um, And I think it's rightfully so. I think he's the best player this season Um, and he, he deserves to win it. All right, moving on now to defensive player of the year. Um, So the top three for this is Gobert Dre so sorry Rudy Gobert Draymond Green and Ben Simmons Um, so we'll start off with Rudy Gobert he finished the season with 14 points 14 rebounds 3 blocks and 1 steal per game Uh, he averaged 2.3 personal fouls a game uh, because I think that's important to look at when you're looking at defensive player of the year are they getting into foul trouble a lot you know how many fouls are they averaging Um, He finished with a 23.5 PER, um, 11.3 win shares, uh, 2.5 DPM. So DPM, DBPM, excuse me, is defensive box plus minus. And this is another advanced statistic I like to look at. So box plus minus in general is just looking at pretty much all the defensive statistics you can get, rounding them all up into one, um, and then making it, into like a, a nice even just average number uh and so this is for defensive so 2.5 DPPM um and 5.2 defensive wind shares so that's essentially um the same thing as the wind shares but it's looking just at the defensive part of it um and so his defense won them 5.2 wins um or won them 5.2 games this season. Uh and so 5.2 DWS that was the league best this year. So Rudy finished first in that in the in the league. Um Draymond averaged 7 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 block and 2 steals per game. 3.1 personal fouls, 13.3 PER uh, 4.6 win shares, 3.3 DBPM, um, and 3.4 defensive win shares. Um, and then rounding at the top three is Ben Simmons. Uh, 14.7 rebounds, seven assists, one block, two steals per game, 2.9 personal fouls, uh, 18.3 PER, six win shares, 1.9 DBPM, and 3.3 defensive win shares. And then one more I want to throw in there just for consideration because I think he was kind of, he kind of lost out on it, Um, would be uh, Bam Adebayo. Um, And he's someone, I don't think he should win and I'll get to that in a little bit, but he's someone who had a great season and I think is just right, just deserves to be in, in this kind of Mentioned with these guys because he had a great season as well so he finished with 19 points nine rebounds five assists one block one steal per game 2.3 personal fouls 22.7 per 8.8 8 win shares um 1.9 d bpm and 3.2 defensive win shares so at the end of the day all of those guys considered uh my vote is for rudy gobert um and I believe this would be his third uh, defensive player of the year. So he won back-to-back years, then Giannis won last year. And now I think I'm pretty sure he's going to end up winning again this year. Um, it's just it's hard to vote against him for something like this. And I know like, it's not just about how many blocks do you average per game or how many steals do you average. Um, it, it's it's a lot more than that and all this is a lot more than statistics but you know me I like to I just love statistics so that's what I like to do a lot of research on um, and so he just he had the best statistical season of all of them when you look at it um, more blocks than all of them he's right alongside pretty much all of them in terms of steals um, Averaged the least amount of personal fouls which is really important he had the highest PER um, the highest win shares, the highest uh defensive win shares, the only thing he's not leading in in this group of four of uh, four players is the defensive box plus minus which uh Draymond has him beat in. Um but I mean he's still he's just a consistent defensive anchor for the Jazz um and you know, this the case can be made for the other three guys here being much better wing defenders, which is you know obviously because you know Rudy's a a a a classic you know big man center, um, you know seven foot tall, two hundred eighty pounds, whatever, and just kind of is a good rim protector. Um, you know, they're, all the other guys are more versatile. But I still think it's just a tough call because I think he's not useless as a wing defender, and he's significantly better than the rest of them as a post defender. I think a case could be made for Bam being the best of both worlds in that he's a really good wing defender, and if you know, if you look at it, I, I should have gotten the a, a screenshot of it, but there's been kind of numbers going around when the top three were announced and BAM was kind of snubbed. Um, people were sharing a lot of uh statistics of just like all these star players, their field goal percentage when being guarded by BAM is just like awful. Like no one shot higher than like 25% when they were being guarded by him. Um, and so he's really versatile as a wing defender and a a rim protector and post defender. Um but I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, he just wasn't qu- he's just not quite there yet. Um, you know, I think Draymond is a little bit better of a kind of versatile defender. I mean, we saw that in the play in game against Anthony Davis. Um, and he can also guard people like LeBron, um Ben Simmons, um, you know, even guys like Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, more guards, but yeah, I I just think that at the end of the day, Gobert, it's it's just it's kind of like when Ben Wallace was playing, where it's just like it's his award to lose every year. <laughs> um I mean again he led the league in defensive win shares, which I think at the end of the day, if you want to take one statistic, that's it, and he was the league best. So it's like, how can you argue with that? Um, just like with MVP, I think I feel like a lot of people would probably take the PER and whoever has the highest PER in the season. Um, if you're gonna you know take one statistic, and Jokic led in that. Um, so yeah, so at the end of the day, uh, it, it is a tough call, and I think a case could be made for all these guys, but at the end of the day, I do think, uh, you know. My vote is for Gobert, and I do think he's going to win it as well. Um, All right. Let me take a very quick water break. All right. Moving on now to the sixth man of the year award. Um, The top three for this, and I will say, so we did already find out who won six man of the year and most improved player. Uh, those were announced earlier this week, but I did not change like my votes. These, this is still who, I mean, so at the end of the day I voted my vote. If I was to vote for someone were for the eventual winners for both of these categories. But again, I did not change my vote to make it look like I was right. Or I knew what I was talking about. It just happened to be that way. But so six man of the year, uh, the top three was Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, and Derek Rose. Uh, so Jordan Clarkson finished the season with 18 points, four rebounds, three assists per game on shooting splits of 43-35-90. Uh, he had a 52% effective field goal percentage, uh, finished with 17.1 per. 4.2 win shares and 27 minutes per game. So that's the thing. You know, Obviously six man is someone who doesn't start and is typically like your go-to guy off the bench. Um, his teammate, Joe Ingles, uh, averaged 12 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists on shooting splits of 49-45-84, uh, a 65% effective field goal percentage, uh, 15.9 PER, 7 win shares, and played... 28 minutes per game but one thing I do want to note here that was a little bit bothersome to me is that he started 45% of the games that he played this season so to me he was barely coming off the bench more than he was starting so for me that I mean there's no like There's no rule for how, like, what percentage or how many games you need to not start or come off the bench or how many minutes you can play to qualify, so to speak, for sixth man of the year. But for in my personal book, starting 45% of the games you play basically half uh, is just like you're not really a sixth man at that point. Um, So. Yeah, and then finally, Derek Rose, who averaged 15 points, three rebounds, four assists on shooting splits, of uh, 47, 39, 87. Uh, he had a 51% effective field goal percentage, <clears throat> finished with an 18.3 PER, uh, 3.1 win shares, and 27 minutes per game. So my vote uh, would be for the eventual winner, which is Jordan Clarkson. Um, He was crucial for the Jazz all season uh, and especially down the stretch when Donovan Mitchell was injured. And I think that's probably when Joe Ingles started starting a lot of those games. Um, But he was also just kind of that offensive spark off the bench that they could consistently rely on all year long. Um, I think it's kind of almost become a trope at this point that it's pretty much just whoever has the highest points per game uh, off the bench just ends up being the sixth man of the year. Um, that typically ends up being <laughs> what it is, but, um, I think even outside of him being the highest bench scorer, I think he just also, you know, he, he, had, I mean, Derrick Rose had the highest PER, but, um, Clarkson had a higher than Joe Ingalls. Um, <sighs> He had the highest uh, free throw percentage, and I think he just had—I I didn't look it up, but I think he probably had the highest usage rate as well. Maybe Derek Rose had more, but um, I don't know. I just feel like Clarkson was just a go-to bench guy um, who's just a great role player, six man of the year. Um, and like I said, Joe Ingles started pretty much half of his games. And Derek Rose, and I don't want to say these things to take away from them because it makes them great players. It's just that when you're looking at six men of the year, it's kind of like a role player award. And it's like these guys just are more than that uh, for their teams. And so same with Derek Rose where I know he's coming off the bench, only playing 27 minutes, but he was kind of playing a lot of big uh, like fourth quarter minutes for them um, and kind of was their go-to point guard in those clutch time situations and so, again, that kind of takes you out of, in my book, kind of takes you out of the role-playing role, uh, and you're more of like a, a go-to guy. So, yeah, my vote would be for Clarkson, and he didn't end up winning. So, um, obviously, the, the journalists and writers agree with me. But, um, yeah, I, I just think he was, he was the best six-man. All right, next up is most improved player. Um, and try to stick with me here. So I'm gonna basically go through the top three, and I'm gonna go through their season uh their season stats this year and then what it was last year, so you can compare and contrast to see the jump that they made. Um so the top three is Jeremy Grant of the Nuggets, uh Julius Randle on the Knicks, and Michael Porter Jr. on the Nuggets. Sorry, Jeremy Grant on the Pistons. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. on the Nuggets. So starting us off, Jeremy Grant finished the season with 22 points, five rebounds, three assists per game on shooting splits of 43, 35, 85. He had a 49% effective field goal percentage, uh, a 16.9 PER, uh, averaged 3.2 win shares um, or had 3.2 win shares this season, which is up from 12 points, four rebounds, one assist per game, uh, last season, and he jumped from 27 minutes per game up to 34 minutes per game. Um, Julius Randle uh, finished the year with 24 points, 10 rebounds, six assists uh, per game on shooting splits of 46 41 81, a 52% effective field goal percentage, uh, 19.7 PER. win shares for the season up from last year's splits of 20 points, 10 rebounds, three assists um, and went from 33 minutes to 39 minutes per game, which led the league. Uh, And then finally, Michael Porter jr. On the nuggets averaged 19 points, seven rebounds, one assist per game on shooting splits of 54, 45, 79. Um, He had a 65% effective field goal percentage, uh, twenty six, twenty point six per for the season, and six point nine win shares, which is up from uh, nine points, five rebounds, one assist per game, and he went from sixteen to thirty one minutes per game. Uh, so that's really kind of the the. I mean, you know, it's the top three, but it's also kind of just. The only real i I can't really think of anyone else who could be considered um for most improved, I think these three guys really were the were it they were the top ones um at the end of the day, my vote would be for Julius Randall, who again did end up winning the award um I believe yesterday, maybe it was today um so he ended up winning it, and I think he should have um Jamie Grant. I think had the biggest jump of them. I mean, he went from 27 to 34 minutes from 12 points to 22 points. Um, But he also, I think his efficiency definitely went way down because he definitely was the go-to guy in Detroit this season. But they, the Pistons had the second worst record in the NBA this year. So they didn't do a whole lot of winning His effective field goal percentage is only 49%, which is really not good. Um, 16.9 PER, which is fine, but again, 15 is average. Uh, Only 3.2 win shares. So, you know, definitely came into his own as a scorer, but not really so much as a leader or anything else. Um, Michael Porter Jr. was huge for the Nuggets down the stretch, especially once Jamal Murray went down with his ACL injury and they relied on him a lot more as kind of their second option. Um, I mean, he went from nine points a game to 19. Um, He has a great, you know, 65% effective field goal percentage. Um, He, he led, he's the best of them, three of them in both field goal and three point percentage. He had the highest PER of them. Um, Went from 16 to 31 minutes, but at the end of the day, while that's really good, Um, Julius Randle just, I think in my eyes, made the biggest jump from just a guy who is the number one option on a team because it's a terrible team in the Knicks um, to just leading the team and being like the go-to guy. He was an all-star. I think he may end up on like all defensive you know third team all NBA. Um this year I think that's a very likely I think he'll probably finish in the top 15, maybe even 10 for MVP voting. Um I mean he was a massive massive reason why the Knicks are the fourth seed this year. Um his numbers didn't change a whole lot from last year. I mean his points when he points jumped up 4 per game. He doubled his assists from 3 to 6. Um, He did lead the league in minutes played, um, but he did have the highest win shares of all three of these guys at 7.8. And when you look at actually MVP, he was at 7.8 win shares and Bede was only at 8.8 win shares. Um, That's also more than Draymond Green, more than Ben Simmons. Um, So, yeah, I, I just think he led the Knicks to the fourth seed in the East and he flirted with the MVP conversation. He took the Knicks from a lottery team and just a fledgling, laughable organization to packing out MSG for their first playoff game, uh, you know, in, in nine years and leading to the best record they've had in like, I think over a decade. Um, it just, he went from just being a guy who last year, if you remember correctly after the season and throughout all of last season, Knicks fans were done with Julius Randall. Uh, they had completely given up on him. They're like, I'm so done with just spin move into turnover after spin move into turnover. Um, and people were done with him. Um, but he proved all of them wrong this year, and they are now all. He is now all of their favorite player, um, and he's been huge for the Knicks this year. So I'm glad he ended up winning it. And again, he is who I would have voted for. Uh, coming up next is Rookie of the Year. The top three for this is Lamelo Ball of the Hornets, Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves, and Halliburton, uh, Tyrese Halliburton of the Kings. Um. So, LaMelo Ball finished the season averaging 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists on shooting splits of 44-35-76. He had an effective field goal percentage of 50%, uh, 17.5 PER, um, 2.8 win shares on the season, and he played 51 games. Anthony Edwards finished the year with 19 points, five rebounds, three assists per game on shooting splits of 42, 33, 78 effective field goal percentage of 49%, uh, 13.9 per, 0.8 win shares on the season, but he did play all 72 games, including a couple of 40 point games at the end there. Um, And then Tyrese Halliburton finished the season with 13 points, three rebounds, five assists per game on shooting splits of 47-41-86. He had a 57% effective field goal percentage, uh, a 16.2 PER, uh, 3.5 win shares on the season, and he played 58 games. Now, for this one, this is probably the most tightly contested award for the season. And my vote is honestly for Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. I think it's a tie. I think they should both win. Um, it's not impossible. It's not never happened. It's happened three other times. Um, I believe the most recent was Steve Francis and Elton Brand in two thousand. Um, but I I, I just think. LaMelo Ball had a better season than Anthony Edwards, but he missed 21 games compared to Edwards, who was not as good of a player, but he played all 72 games. He played every game this season. Um, Halliburton had a good season. He did end up missing 14 games, um, and he just wasn't as high up there in, I don't know. It just Halburn's a good player. I think he's going to be a great point guard for the Kings for years to come. But I just think he's just not quite in the same conversation as as Lamelo and Anthony Edwards. Um, but I do. I just. I do truly think you know. There's no official rules on how many games you need to have played to qualify for Rookie of the Year. Um, I think this is p- pretty much a point of contention almost every single season, because there's always some rookie who plays really well, but ends up missing a bunch of games due to injury. I mean, we saw that with Joel Embiid. Um, We've also seen it like with Ben Simmons where he, you know, he kind of missed his rookie season, so to speak um, the entire season due to injury and then played, but then it's like, Oh, well he's a second year player, but like he's never actually played. Stuff like that. Um, so it's just really up in the air. And so for that reason, that's why I think it should be I I that's why I would vote for both of them and I would have them share it basically and be co-rookie of the year. Again, it's happened a couple of times before. It's pretty rare, but it does happen. Um Anthony Edwards is definitely like he's like a way better scorer and he's a flashier player than LaMelo. Um, and I think he's definitely way more athletic than him, but like he only shot 42% on the season, 33% from three, which is really bad. Um, couldn't crack 80% from the line as a guard, which is not great. I mean, LaMelo didn't either. Um, um, and his effective field goal percentage was below 50%. He only had a 13.9 PER, which again is below average. So both of the other guys, Lamelo and Halburton, were above 15. Uh, Lamello was at 17.5. So Edwards, you know, by that rating of efficiency, he's below average and he only had 0.8 win shares on the season. So he pretty much didn't account for any of their wins. <laughs> um, but again, he was more consistent than LaMelo. And that's, I think, the big thing is that LaMelo got hurt, missed a bunch of games. But the Hornets were in the play-in. They did get trounced uh, by the Pacers in that play-in game. But LaMelo, I think, was a huge reason as to why they were even in that game and why they were contending for a playoff spot. Um, I think he's a better all-around player than Ed- Edwards. But so you know, you can see where there's give and take for both of them which is why I think that um they should share it and they should be co rookies of the year. Um and then the last one here is for um coach of the year, which I think is uh definitely the least sexy award of all of them. Uh but definitely I always, you know, I always think it's good to go over it though because these coaches deserve uh the respect. So the top three are Monty Williams of the Suns, Tom Thibodeau of the Knicks, and Quinn Snyder for the Jazz. So Monty Williams, the Suns, finished the year with a 51 and 21 record for a win percentage of 70.8. Uh, they finished with the second seed in the West, um, and that is up from a record of 34 and 39 last year, a win percentage of 46.6. And they missed the playoffs last year. Tom Thibodeau, uh, the Knicks finished the year with a 41 and 31 record, uh, good for a 56.9% win percentage. Uh, they finished with the fourth seed in the East, which is up from a 21 and 45 record, uh, which is a win percentage of 31.8, and they missed the playoffs last year. And then Quint Snyder, uh, the Jazz finished. With a fifty-two and twenty record, uh seventy-two point two percent win percentage, and the first seed in the West. So they, you know, had the best uh record in the entire league. Uh that is up from a forty-four and twenty-eight record, which was a sixty-one point one percent win percentage last year. Um, and they were the sixth seed in the West. So at the end of the day, um, just to start us off here, my vote is for Tom Thibodeau. Um Uh, Monty Williams did an incredible job with the Suns, and he was even voted coach of the year by his peers. Um, but I think that Chris Paul is just as much to credit for that season and for that turnaround as Monty Williams was. And again, I don't want to take anything away from Monty, but I think it was more than just kind of his leadership and his coaching and game plans. Uh Quinn Snyder has continually brought the Jazz up each year. They've been on the up and up pretty much since he took over the helm uh, a while back. Um but it wasn't nearly as significant as a jump for the Jazz as it was for the Knicks um or for the Suns. So the Suns improved their their record by 17 games. The Knicks improved theirs by 20 games and the jazz only improved theirs by eight games. So it was the smallest jump. Yes. They had the best record in the league, but, um, as we even saw the other night in the playoffs, they are, I mean, I know it's a, it's a regular season award, um, but they're kind of just a regular season team. They're very improving in the playoffs. Um, I don't know, but yeah, so I think the jazz having the number one record this year, again, wasn't, entirely due to his coaching or his game plans because um, it's been kind of the same team and the same core and they're just getting more mature and more experienced under their belts. And it's been the same coach every year. Um, whereas Monty Williams and Thibodeau, both of them, this was their first year under the helm of their team of their respective teams um and they both made significant jumps in their in their records and in the playoffs, even just going from both of those teams missed the playoffs to the Suns being the second seed in the West and the Knicks being the fourth seed in the East. Uh, my vote is for the is for Thibodeau though, for the Knicks. Um because Thibodeau and, and Julius Randle, uh, because I you know, I do think he did help, uh, just they brought this Knicks team out of the depths, um, of the lottery pick into the fourth seed in the East and made them relevant again. Um you know, Rand- Julius Randle was already on a slight word upward trend um since coming to the Knicks last year. Uh but Thibodeau playing him and RJ Barrett massive minutes. Um and I think the two of them I think were like one and two in minutes per game this season. Um, and trusting the young core and the young guys a lot more is kind of what gives him my vote because again, they made the biggest jump in terms of winning, like wins, uh, from last year to this year. And they made the biggest jump from, didn't even make it to the bubble. They were a, um, they were a, uh, oh shoot. What's the word? I can't think of the word. Uh, they were like a borderline lottery. I mean, they were a lottery team last year. Uh, they I think ended up with the eighth pick, but they could have ended up with like the third or fourth pick. Um and, and now they're the fourth seed in the east. You know, obviously the Suns finishing second in the West and the second best record in the league is very impressive. Uh, but they did make it to the bubble last year and they did win all eight games in the bubble last year, but uh, they just barely missed out on the playoffs. So I just think the Knicks made a bigger jump. And I think Thibodeau is more to credit for that than the Suns jump and Monty Williams, um, because it was more of Thibodeau believing in the team and, and coaching them to a better play style and, getting their defense a lot higher up um, from last year and just believing in the young guys more and kind of coaching this team better uh, than it was handled last year. So my voters for Tom Thibodeau again, um, Monty Williams was voted coach of the year by his peers. So all the other coaches voted him as coach of the year. Um, But that's not like the official award that you win that you can hit out. At least I don't think so. Um, I could be wrong. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's not the official one. But so yeah, so there you go. So my votes, once again, just to kind of go through them. Nikola Jokic for MVP. Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. Jordan Clarkson for Sixth Man of the Year, which he did end up winning. Julius Randle for Most Improved Player, which he also ended up winning. uh, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards being Co-Rookies of the Year. And Tom Thibodeau as your Coach of the Year. Um, so yeah, that's it, those are all the awards. Um, and that's kind of all I want to talk about today. Um, next week, uh, hopefully, we'll have it, we'll be back next week. I apologize for not being here last week, uh, last Wednesday. I did receive my second COVID vaccine shot, so I was kind of out, um, and did not have any sort of energy or mental capacity to podcast last week. So I apologize for missing that, but. I'm glad to be back here this week and the next week we should be back and we'll probably be reviewing some round one series at that point. I think there should be a couple that'll be wrapped up by then. So we'll kind of look at how those series finished up and then look towards round two. So again, we're kind of in the thick of the NBA coverage here. So there will be some WWE coverage sprinkled in, um, for uh, Hell in a Cell coming up in June we'll have a preview for that the, you know, the week before but other than that it's just going to be playoffs 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 so I'm looking forward to it this is my favorite time of the year my sleep schedule goes out the window because I just love watching all these basketball games um, makes me feel happy and it makes me feel alive um, and I love talking about it with you guys here on this podcast so with that being said make sure you are following on social media and um, where, so you can stay up to date just with the show and my thoughts on all things sports um, so Instagram and Facebook are Sports Talk with Swag the Facebook page is important to like so you can know not only know when we're going live with each episode each week but you can also watch the live video stream of them or you can go back and watch the uh, the VOD of it if you're a video podcast person um, Instagram is important because that's where I kind of post some news. I try to stay up on up to date with like the news uh, posts over there. So for instance, I posted over there yesterday about how um, WWE and Adnan Verk. Mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, He was the lead play-by-play commentator for Monday Night Raw for less than two months, and he's already gone. So I kind of posted that and my thoughts on it. So I try to stay up to date with kind of news and giving you my thoughts on that on Instagram. So make sure you follow there. Twitter is stwscast, where that's where I'm the most active, and I'm just consistently kind of giving my thoughts on all things current events with sports, um, both basketball and wrestling but also mixing in some baseball and football um and uh and gaming as well so make sure you follow that account as well you can send an email to swag at gmail.com with any of your thoughts or if you have questions you want answered anything like that um you can listen to this podcast if you're an audio podcast person you can listen to it um Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, um, Stitcher, anywhere you can find it, you can listen to it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I do appreciate you guys listening and checking out this podcast. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. It's Spots Talk with Swerve.